0: I need to have like my warm ups that I do before every. <laughs> yeah. Peter Piper <laughs> picked a
1: pepper. Picked a pick pickle peppers. Peeper, yeah. How many pickle peppers did Peter Pepper pick? For the Fargo one, <laughs> it's got to be. You betcha. You betcha. You, you betcha. betcha. <laughs> jeez. Oh, jeez. Sure. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, yeah. oh uh, Love of the frame.
2: Uh, love of
0: the,
2: frame. Uh, love the
1: frame. Of the frame. Welcome to this week's episode of For the Love of the Frame. Uh, I'm Tim, and sitting here to my left is the man who is obsessed with true coat and won't stop trying to sell me it as a treatment. Oh, wow. Ian. It's only $400, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it comes with the factory. It yeah. comes in the factory. Uh, also joining us, who thankfully is not obsessed with true coat, our <laughs> friend Aaron. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that right. That was right. That's right. Not. <laughs> that is a correct factual statement. <laughs> I, I uh, for, for this week's episode, I, I did check with legal, and we, we do have to lead with a disclaimer that this podcast is a true story. The events depicted in this podcast took place in Austin in 2022. At the request of the survivors, the names have been changed, but out of respect for the dead. The rest has been told exactly as it occurred. How's that? Straight from our legal (laughs) department. Straight from our legal department. (laughs) It's the legal department of one. Is that you? Are you (laughs) the legal
0: department?
1: I think that would make the most sense. (laughs) Well, uh, obviously we're here to talk about Fargo. um, And if you haven't seen the the film in a while, it did come out in 1996. Uh, That, what I just read, but saying Fargo, in not or Minnesota, I guess, in 1987 instead of Austin. <laughs> um, but but that's North the, the Dakota, opening. It, uh, I'm sorry? North Dakota. Fargo's in North Dakota, but oh. I actually took the time to write it down. It does say Minnesota in the opening. Wait, scroll. are you sure? The movie takes place in Minnesota. Oh. The opening scene where he meets the, the two kidnappers, yes. that takes place in Fargo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually read about this. The, the Coens, it, it takes place in Brainerd for yeah. the most part. Yeah. But the Coens just like the way Fargo sounded better. They thought it was a cooler title. It does sound. It's, yeah, I agree. That's it a great choice. Better. A brilliant yeah. choice by the Coens. We're off yeah. to a rough start here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to <laughs> <We> nail down <laughs> this thing. We can fix uh, that in post. Yeah. We are here <laughs> we'll to talk about out. Fargo, <laughs> uh, the 1996 film uh, written and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, although I think. Ethan is uncredited as a director, but he, he did help out, uh, as he's wont to do. Uh, they team up. Um, I know you don't care, Ian, but I care, and I refuse to believe that I'm alone. So uh, Fargo did win some Oscars. Uh, it, it won Best Actress for Frances McDormand's portrayal mm. of mm. Margie, Margie Gunderson. I'm gonna. I feel myself going into accents, and I know it's a bad idea, and I know it's it's just gonna go poorly. But whatever. Um, It won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, Hmm. which uh, it's kind of hard to argue that even years later. Uh, Nominated, but did not win Best Picture, uh, Best Supporting Actor with William H Macy um, as Jerry Lundegaard, um, and then Cinematography and Editing, Hmm. and so. Um, I think it's widely regarded. Uh, I know for at least a while I've not checked recently, but it was in the, uh, I think, American Film Institute's top 100 American films of all time. Um, So it's generally considered a classic, which is why we picked it, because we're smart and we like to talk and sound like we talk about smart movies. And so I ask you, Mr. Ian, Mr. Trucoat himself, (laughs) (laughs) what is your lasting impression as we dive into... North Dakota slash Minnesota, what is your 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 lasting kind of feeling takeaway uh, as you watch this film? Uh, it looks pretty cold <laughs> up there. That's
0: right. Definitely need a true coat uh, yeah. on your car. Yeah, you, yeah. A lot of snow, probably a lot of salt. Are you about to salt sell this true coat right now? <laughs> yeah. is, are you taking this I mean, opportunity? I'm no expert. but sell a true coat? Uh, Probably a lot of salt up there. <laughs> really mess up your cars. Uh, no, I love the movie. I really like it. This is the second time I watched it. Uh, I was telling Aaron earlier, I watched it like maybe a, a year or two ago. So it's fairly recent. Um, I liked it better the second time. I think, uh, yeah, there's, I love a lot of things about this movie, so I won't go through mm-hmm. all of them right now, but the accents are great. The characters are great. The dialogue is great. It's funny. It's sad it's like kind of horrifying. It has it's very dynamic and i think that's one of the things i really like about it.
1: It's an interesting list you have there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. A, it is. That's it's part of what makes the movie so interesting.
1: All right. What about you, Aaron?
2: My favorite thing is the way that so many things are over the top with this movie mm-hmm. and yet it doesn't feel like a B movie like you know, a, a bad movie that's good. Like, it's legitimately good. I think the writing is amazing. The acting, I wrote... Down, really, my only note is acting with three exclamation marks. <laughs> I can see it right there. <laughs> 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 not a lot else on the page. I Then I wrote a sentence about the acting. But, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not usually an acting guy, but the performances, like, I, I was thinking even the side characters, the characters with one scene, mm-hmm. so many of them, I would watch a movie about that character. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did they write these incredible dynamic characters who get one scene, a handful of lines, and the escorts, um, the wife, uh, Jerry Lundegaard's wife. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. Gene? Jean? Jean. Jean, very good. Gene, um, you know, Mike Yanagida, like all these characters. I'm like, I would watch a movie- <laughs> They're about that guy, yeah. um, the husband Norm Gunderson, his his painting, and trying to get the stamp like
0: that, Yeah, I want to know more about him. <laughs> that could yeah. be like a
2: Christopher Guest like yeah. movie. Um, so just so many amazing characters, the way they're written, um, and like I said, so much is over the top. It, it just works in this movie.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what what gives it its unique voice. Um, and it's hard not to be charmed Um, because it really is. It's I think it's part of what what makes it so interesting is is it's dealing with some pretty dark subject matter, Mm -hmm. but it's done with a smile and it's done in almost a chipper way. And so it leaves you (laughs) feeling, oh, okay, (laughs) okay, okay. We wanna talk about the Wood chipper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh the
0: Wood got to me. That was Yeah, that's yeah. pretty rough. That was the one of the few scenes. That is, I cringed. I was like yeah. okay. yeah. I definitely cringed in a couple of scenes, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, that, right, but it, it kind of goes to what right. I was saying. Like, mm-hmm. it, it goes like this is a movie where they literally load a guy headfirst into a wood chipper. Yeah, that's that's out of pretty brutal, pretty yeah, brutal, right? Super, Quentin Tarantino yeah. is like, Whoa, guys, like, yeah. tone it yeah. down a little. Is, and and yeah. it's still your overall takeaway as you like reflect on the mm-hmm. movie. It's that Minnesota polite, it's the you know, the small town quirkiness, some of the characters. And I, I think that that's intentionally developed by the Cohens. It's not a happenstance. It's part of, of the the overall flavor. But it's not just background. I think, in my opinion, it's actually a core part of of the story it's trying to tell. And so. Um, we're only a couple episodes into this podcast, but, but we have some themes emerging. We, we apparently are a, uh, is it a, a Tony Collette, uh, fan club oh, yeah. uh, podcast, which I don't think we set out to be, um, I definitely didn't, but, <laughs> we know, we know, I didn't even know who she was yeah. in <laughs> this podcast. Yeah. One of these days you'll watch six Sense. that will blow your mind. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, uh, I think another one is, is our love of accents. I think we, yep. we spend a lot of time. And, did, did we mention Fargo? It, it, I, I don't know, It wasn't that many episodes I ago. I think I did, but I'm really sad because it oversight. is my favorite. Yeah. I, I, a high sense of shame. Yeah, yeah we I, should definitely I, be embarrassed about that. That's day. like, we almost should just shut down the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That's such an oversight. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to put it back to you guys. Um, I just want to elaborate more. Uh, it's almost like the setting and the people and the accents almost function like a character. Uh, it's such a, you know, the, the vibe that it's set there, it's so saturated in in the film and, and the way the characters move throughout it. So I was just curious to hear some thoughts of, of just maybe expounding on, on that, how you see the, the setting and the accent and the background shaping the movie and, and actually almost acting like a like a character.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, first, just a second, um, what you were saying before, Aaron, about how these have all these little characters that are really well-drawn but don't have big pieces. I think that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. There's a, I'll probably say that a lot because I have a lot of favorite parts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really like movies that just drop you right in the middle of something Mm. and they don't really explain all of it all at once. They just, they put you right in the middle of it and then they just play it out and you kind of pick up pieces as it goes. And uh, yeah, I feel like they do that really, really well. So I was kind of thinking about that while you were saying that, but um, yeah, one of the things, I mean, one of the biggest things that I took away from this, I think is just the dichotomy that you get between just like the normal small town. And then it really is a gruesome movie. Like it's yeah, you, you have like at the end, you have Steve Buscemi's his leg just sticking out of the <laughs> dirty socks. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. sock. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty messed up, and there's there's a lot of that, and even like just Marge, she's like. Waddling around, you know, checking out the the homicides at like near the beginning when people have been shot and and just the way that she's talking, because she's she's kind of chatting with the police officer who comes with her, and they're just talking about normal yeah. stuff. And he like comes up and brings her a coffee or whatever it is, and they're just chatting, and then they're like, Oh, like what do you think here? She's like, Oh, you know, it looks like this guy, you know, looks <laughs> like, like a good. nice fella. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I was like, this looks like an offensive wound got her right through the head. And, and he just executed this guy over here. And so I think that was one of the biggest things. And so to your point, it kind of escalates the how gruesome it is whenever you see things that are so pure, like whenever you have Marge and Norm and you see the way that they interact and they're just completely normal at home. But then she goes out and does these kind of crazy things like she shoots him at the end. And yeah, I think it escalates and it the contrast of the normal and then the horrifying that things get into and the way that Jerry, you know, derails more and more, but he's trying to act really polite and he has this persona that he's trying to keep up the whole time. And yeah, I, I mean, I think all of that adds. And then I do think that the... The, uh, it just, it being cold and just this wasteland, I think that really, it builds a lot of the atmosphere. I mm-hmm. think that really does play into a, a lot of it too, because besides the people, it does feel really cold. Like it feels like a very, it's very stark. I mean, especially the first half an hour of the movie is extremely, well, the first time I watched it, I was like, I got half an hour in and I'm like, I don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> this is horrible. Everybody <laughs> in this movie is horrible. But then Uh large comes in and norm and you see them and it kind of shifts a little bit. So yeah, I I think it's a few different ways, but to me, I think the contrast is one of the biggest ways that Mm -hmm. the setting plays into it.
1: Aaron, do you, uh, do you want to be the one to tell Ian or, or should I? When he Uh-oh. says that Marge and Norm are, are, are normal <laughs> at home. And maybe what it's like if you wake up at four in the morning for work, whether or not your spouse, it's normal for your spouse to <laughs> insist on making you eggs. yeah, I thought that was just standard procedure. I don't want to burst your bubble on, on what you know that that's like, but yeah. I, I don't know that Marge and you Norm gotta are. You got to eat breakfast are,
0: though.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just going to be sitting at an empty table, <laughs> just screaming
0: into the void. Yeah, you got to eat gotta breakfast. <laughs> eat breakfast. In a bad <laughs> accent. In a bad accent, yeah.
2: <laughs> bad Northern accent. Yeah, I wouldn't add much more to that. What Ian said about the, the setting being a character. I definitely appreciate that about the movie. And I felt like, so many of the like just parking lot scenes, mm-hmm. they would kind of pause on them and, and they would be like beautiful photographs, mm-hmm. the kind of aerial shots looking down with yeah. the snow and the, the cars kind of sparsely lined out. And there's just some beautiful shots uh, mm-hmm. of the snow mm-hmm. and, um, the bleakness and the, yeah, the way that it, um, the way that there's these layers of snow and they just kind of cover everything with, with coldness. and Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that's what stood out to me. And, I know I've said it before, but the very opening of a films, the very ending of films tell you so much. And so this one opens up and it's all white mm-hmm. and you can vaguely get a sense of movement, you know, and there's something of like, there's some maybe lizard conditions or, you know, there's, it's clearly cold. It's clearly snow, but you can't tell where the sky ends mm-hmm. and when the snowy ground begins. And it's very just amorphous and it's bleak but it's also bright, you know, the snow, it kind of pops. It's a very vivid white and just the way, you know, even the time of day or, you know, it's just, and then it's slowly you see the the outline of, of the car coming to shape and there's some definition, you know, and just uh, you start to see some separation, you know, But but it really sets the mood as far as it's very cold. It's very amorphous and murky and it's just very almost like Dour, or, or just uh, it does like that. The, the movie really does start on that note, mm-hmm. um, which is what makes it so interesting because it, it shifts gears to cheery and in, in that small town polite, it's folksy, it's folksy. Yeah. So they keep
2: showing the Paul Bunyan sign <laughs> exactly, everyone says geez and oh gosh, and you know, yeah, <laughs> you, betcha. you betcha, you betcha.
1: And uh, <laughs> going on with what you're saying, Aaron, like one of the ones that just for whatever reason out the most to me was when, um. Uh, Jerry, after the, the kidnapping happens and he's having like lunch or breakfast, whatever, at the, the cafe with, his, uh, with Stan Grossman mm-hmm. and, and his father-in-law, Wade and you know, they, whatever. And they, Wade leaves in a huff and they go and he goes to cash out and the cashier is just like, have a nice time. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> yeah. Super yeah. And he, right. I mean, just the swirling emotions that are going inside of him, yeah. you know, where he's trying to have the scheme. He's desperate for the money. His father-in-law doesn't respect him. He's right. blowing up the plan. And then just having this like polite, you know, and, and <laughs> but he just, it's the way he is too. He yeah. he just has that because that's the way they are. Mm. And as a viewer, you know he's not a great guy. Uh, you know he's setting in motion this horrible chain of events, or you know what's unfolding, and and it's not noble. Um, but it's it's you know the politeness kind of over. It's the the veneer, the, the the packaging, and that's just in a lot of ways what the movie is in a nutshell. Like the, like this evil, and I know we'll unpack this more as we get down there, but it just. Evil exists even when there is that kind of like nice exterior. Yeah. Um, and I just love that that's in a subtle way put in front of you right away in, in just that opening scene, but then even in the first, you know, 30, 40 minutes, it, it just and it keeps reinforcing that. Yeah. But, I think I mean I think that's relatable to to some degree
0: because it's easy to be in, I mean, either something really bad happens, like you come from a funeral or, you know, you're just, maybe you're really mad at somebody or something. But if a cashier is like, oh, how's it going? I mean, I, my automatic reaction is just like, oh, it's good. Like, how are mm-hmm. you? And it's really easy to fall back into that whenever mm-hmm. you've been doing that your whole life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it shows the way that people can be really two-sided. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah, or, you know, or you like plot this whole, thing where you have your wife like is going to get kidnapped you know <laughs> yeah. I think we we've all been there I think I think or, we could all or say, make okay, you breakfast at uh, four probably. in the morning <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: so I, I wanted to take some time I do think that in all the quirkiness and, and everything that we've been talking about it is a very um the characters drive this this film and there are some very memorable characters. So I just wanted to maybe as a way of even structuring our thoughts as we dive into maybe breaking down the movie. some uh, just do some analysis of kind of who they are, what their motivation is, why they are the way they are, you know, just not just what they did. We all could, we all watched the movie, but you know, just what, what makes them tick mm-hmm. uh, and, and how the film builds that up. I do think they, they do a good job of grounding these characters. And so for me, in I'm bi or whatever, I'm the one talking, so I get to say what I want to talk <laughs> about first. Uh, but my favorite, and I think it does ground the movie, because uh, Marge is is the obvious one in a lot of ways, but I really think uh, William H. Macy's Jerry Lundegaard um, and, and the choices the Coens made in, in writing that character and then the choices William H. Macy made in, in portraying that really... Are the, the in a lot of ways the focal point of what this movie is about, in my opinion. And we can talk about that later. But I um, just wanted to kick it to to you, Ian. and like what as you think about Jerry Lungard, like like what how did he find himself where he is? Why why is he the way he is?
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I was I was thinking about that while I was watching the movie because part of it is they don't tell you what mm-hmm. even happens. So and I think that is important. Because I I think part of the movie is just about what do you do whenever you're in these type of situations, whenever things are kind of falling apart. But I think for him, you don't really need to see exactly how he got there because the way that he acts in that situation tells you enough about his character that it's not a stretch to to see that he would be in that position. And I think that's that's a really good example of like show, don't tell mm-hmm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I I really love that. I really appreciate that a lot. And um, yeah, so I think, what was the actual question?
1: Just like <laughs> expound on, on who Jerry Lundegaard Jerry. is. Yeah. Like what, like... I agree. Like you're him. saying, show tell, and you appreciate show tell. Yeah. So I'm saying for for us unwashed masses, tell <laughs> yeah, us yeah, what yeah. was shown to you. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think he's obviously. I, I let me think. I would say he's just really insecure. I think mm-hmm. is where most of his actions come from. And so he's insecure with his father-in-law because, and, and I think this is interesting too, is that they don't even point out, or at least I didn't get it until about halfway through the movie or something, that even where he works, where he's like the senior sales, sales yeah. manager or whatever, his father-in-law owns that yes. car dealership. So basically everything he has, and, and the only ways that he thinks up getting money are all through his father-in-law. And then you see the relationship, and obviously that Wade doesn't respect him at all. And, you know, that you can just see all the insecurities that he has and like the way that he's trying to kind of control his family and do these things and trying to control the whole situation around him. But it never works. No matter where he is or who he's talking to, things are always going out of control for him. But he never just admits that. And I think it is because he has this he has these really big insecurities. So he's trying to prove to himself that he can handle things, Mm -hmm. but he really can't. And so that builds the insecurity, so it makes him push even more into things that he can't handle because he feels like, oh, if I just do this one thing, then I'll be able to fix it. And so, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just he's really insecure in who he is, and he doesn't feel like anybody takes him seriously, and that's a lot of the motivation that he has. Um, Yeah, and I think he just doesn't feel a lot of control Mm -hmm. either, and he wants to... He wants to feel like he has control because there's multiple times in the movie where Wade, he he goes back and forth with Wade where they're saying like, no, this is my show. Like the, you know, I'm the one calling the shots here and that's something that goes back and forth between them throughout the whole, the whole. Yeah. Film. He's
1: constantly reminded of his powerlessness yeah. in relation to Wade his, mm-hmm. his father-in-law, you know, like he wants to invest in this parking lot and Wade has the money, but you know, you think like in a family relationship with an obscenely wealthy father-in-law, like he's going to pay it back. Like you would almost expect your family to act like a bank. they keep saying, Hey, we're not a bank. And that's true. And if that was someone off the street, you you would not reasonably expect someone to front that at a bank level without that security. Like it's right as a cold, distant business transaction, but it's family. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, And I think, you know, Jerry expected that family relationship thing and then, you know, got pushed away. And then even the the mechanics around the the ransom and being the one in control, they like, got pushed out of the way. Yeah. Like every step of the way, you know, is made to feel, and, and I think one of my favorite lines in the movies when they're eating dinner and he's just trying to pitch the idea and he keeps like, you know, go, go talk to Stan Grossman. Like he won't even like take the pitch over yeah. the dinner table, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. he's channeling him like any, you know, elevator pitch yeah. goes through his guy. Um, and the guy's like, this can set up, uh, Gene and I forget the, oh, Gene, yeah. Scott, Gene Scotty. and Scotty. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, they can, Scotty. And he's just like, Gene and Scotty will be set up for life. <laughs> yeah, just like, it's such a subtle. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, message sent and message received. Yeah. And he just hit over the head over and over with that.
0: And I think it's just those people are dangerous. Like people that get that feel really powerless and that are really insecure. And it's the people that tend to get pushed to the outside. I mean, it's not a hard thing to see. I think that happens in all pretty much anywhere. I mean, it happens in like high schools all the time where you have the, you know, the cool kids and then you have the kids who are kind of on the fringe. And it's always like those kids that you got to watch out for a little bit more because it's like, you don't know. And even if they're not doing anything really bad, it's just, I think insecurities fuel a lot of behavior that is just not, I don't know the right way to say it, but it's just, um, I mean, it gets you to where Jerry Lundergaard is, which is not a good place to be.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and what's interesting though, is like his father-in-law forever harshly, he treats him or kind of inhumanely or not as a family member, um, he didn't put that insecurity in. No, his, yeah. Right, yeah. That's yeah, what's, yeah. I think, interesting. Mm-hmm. And as we maybe develop some of these other characters uh, throughout, but that evil kind of lies within. Um, and it maybe gets stoked by, you know, the actions of others and some circumstances. But, you know, what makes Jerry have those bad decisions or have those insecurities, it, it, it does originate. Like, he, what's he Desiring, like he wants to be an important man. He yeah. wants to be what Wade is. Basically, he wants to be a provider. He wants to be someone who's strong, who can push others around. Um, and so it's just it's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: What about you, Aaron? Did you see anything in uh, Jerry?
2: N- nothing that I would add to that. I think that's yeah. that's who he is. Um, he's kind of pitiful. Mm-hmm. I would add, like, he is powerless. He, but he's even his plays are they're pretty inept. Like mm-hmm. he wants to call off the kidnapping, he doesn't know how to get a hold right. of them. Like, yeah. he, like that's kind of important to being. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you're yeah. like, uh, in a conspiracy with someone, you should at least probably know how to get in touch <laughs> with them. And so he just has these little moments where it's just like his his ineptness. Mm-hmm. Shows and uh, he's just kind of a pitiful character.
1: I love that. That reminds me, like the very early part of the movie when he first meets the kidnappers and they're just arguing about him being late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's like apologizing. Yeah. He's like, oh gosh. And it's yeah. like here is a yeah. guy who's like hiring hitmen. Right. To, for, you know, it's like seedy underworld. Yeah. And he's being like offended and polite. Oh, I was told eight thirty. You, know, yeah. you know, and they're just. <laughs> It's that same dynamic. But yeah. I actually, part of why I think it's key to the movie, though, it's, um, and I think it's the way the Coen's wrote the character and then the way, just great casting and the way he works. Like, as an audience member, you know, if you look at, like, the, the, the Ant and Sugar from uh, um, No Country. Thank you. No Country, no country for Old man, or You know, th- think you're sort of remorseless, right. like, you know, stone-eyed, stone-faced, just, you know, Killers, it's hard to like empathize with, or you can fear them, or you can, you know, even like the
0: grayer, grayer, yeah, yeah. He, he
1: represents that, right? right? And that's that was on my list of things to get to, yeah. Um, but William H. he's kind of a dork and he's very weak, he's very pitiful. Um, but it shows that that banality of evil or mm-hmm. it shows like as the audience member, like I know guys like that if I'm not that guy. Right. And we all are. To <laughs> and some we degree. all are. Oh, yeah. He's an every man. Yeah. And he's just a guy. He's married. He's got a in-law who he doesn't like. And mm-hmm. he's just trying to, to make it. Mm-hmm. And it's not he's not trying to blow up the world. He's not, you know, some James Bond villain or, you know, he just is a regular guy who made some bad decisions. And rather than own up to them is just making, trying to dig just, himself out, yeah. right? And he's digging it deeper. But it doesn't scan as like 10 out of 10 evil, like what broke mm-hmm. in this guy. And I think that's a really key relationship or, or key depiction in the film and, and what ultimately the film's trying to say. Um, and so I just really appreciated, it's just... The way and the face that they put on it as sort of that, that central character. Um,
0: well, and before we move off of him, just mm-hmm. real quick, one of the things that I was thinking about him is that he he doesn't just it's kind of to reinforce that point it's not that he hates his wife or mm-hmm. anything. No, he no, just no. literally doesn't think about the fact that <laughs> yeah. her being kidnapped by these, <laughs> What's like going he doesn't even know who they are. <laughs> he's just like, Oh yeah, everything's going to be fine. And then whenever, um, whenever Wade or, or his, uh, is the guy that's with Wade all the time. Is that Stan Grossman? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So whenever Stan says, he's like, Oh, and like, what about Scott? He's like, Oh, <laughs> What about Scotty? Like he literally is just so wrapped up in everything that he's doing. He did not even consider that his son, you know, is going to need to be taken care of while, Mm. you know, he thinks his mom is in, well, and it is, you know, apparently in mortal danger and, and just, and so there's that, but then also just like, I was trying to, while I was watching it, I was trying to like rack up the body count, and there's a lot of people that end up dying in this. Yeah,
1: I was doing that in the drive over. Yeah, it's it's I like it's seven like, or eight or something like that. Well, it's the three at the beginning. Yeah, and then you have uh, Gene. Yeah, and then you have Gene's father Wade. Oh yeah, he, and then yeah. you have the uh, ticket taker, yeah. the parking guy. Yeah, and then you have Steve Buscemi. Uh, right, that's mm-hmm. seven.
0: Yeah. I think is that it? I think that, might be, that it. might be it. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, it's a good amount of people, yeah. but and it's all just because of this guy who's not evil. He's just Yeah, but it all just, got set in motion. Yeah. Yeah. He's inept. Yeah. Cause even the there's a time where
2: Jerry's on the phone with uh I think it's Gare. And he's like, Hey, we agreed to know rough stuff. And <laughs> it's like he's the Gare's the guy who ends up like Shoving Carl in the in the wood chipper, <laughs> yeah. and it's like you didn't think to yeah. like yeah. you're putting your wife in the hands of these guys. You doesn't even really know yeah. them, yeah. and it's just he just doesn't think these things. He was things vouched out. for. He was yeah. vouched for, yeah. and then yeah. is it
1: proud for? Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Shep. he's just like, why Shep. vouched for Gare? But yeah. I didn't, you know, he's like, I, I don't know, God. God for that I don't guy. know this Carl. Don't guy. For but it's that like economy in those small towns, that like, mm-hmm. you vouch for. It. I don't need to know anymore. I don't, you know. Yeah. Which is funny because he's a psychopath. (laughs) Right.
0: It's just
1: totally insane. (laughs) And uh, what you said, Aaron, reminded me, though, because the flip side is there is a calculatedness in his ineptness. Because when he comes in, sees the kidnapping takes place, he, like, practices Mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. calling his father-in-law to try to nail the right tone. Like, that's pretty stone cold. And I know at that point he doesn't, he still thinks it's under control, but it's. It's just an interesting, but I think real, like very few of us are criminal masterminds. So there's naturally going to be things you think of and then things you don't and things that, you know, you probably do a good job of tying up the loose ends around and then things that you just never thought of in, yeah. in that way that we're all, or I hope you guys are amateurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> So I actually unless you guys have strong feelings on this theme I actually think that that Carl Steve Buscemi's Carl Showalter is a in some ways a lot of similarities to uh Jerry and that he feels like I know he's the bad guy I don't know what his background is or how in the underground he comes from but he's definitely not as hard <laughs> as his partner right Yep And so he he's comfortable doing bad guy things but you can see when he gets pulled over, like, I'll handle this, I'll handle this. And so he had no intention of trying to be violent, right? He had that kind of ham-handed, you know, bribery thing. Um, but yeah, I was just curious seeing like like, where you see... Carl as a character and, and just like what makes Carl, Carl and like how he kind of plugs into to just the way the, the film unfolds. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, th- I think it's he is similar to Jerry. Like you see some of that and even you see him beat up on Jerry because of that because Jerry's <laughs> totally. like the only one weak enough <laughs> yeah. so that he can beat up on without giving him crap. Uh-huh. So you see that which is an interesting like you, you see the insecurities kind of like punching at each other and yeah. just trying to make each other look bad because they're the only ones who can really go head to head between them, those two. Like <laughs> Wade doesn't take Jerry seriously and Grayer or whatever his name is, doesn't take Carl seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And so Jerry and Carl kind of go head to head in like the, this like minor league fight that they have going on. Um, which is, it's just funny. It's yeah, it's really funny and interesting to see that. But yeah, I think he is, he's really insecure, but he, he's also like, he's not a horrible guy. Like he does bad things, but you can tell. I mean, he's just in it for the money. Like, he's not, he doesn't seem like a psychopath. Like, he does end up shooting some people. <laughs> but, you know. I'm taking some notes yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ian's definition of yeah. Yeah. not a bad guy. If I ever. Uh, <laughs>
1: I would want G- Ian on my jury. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay, also not yeah. hiring anyone Ian's vouching yeah. for. Yeah.
0: Okay, maybe that's a little bit of <laughs> Ian's like, he's this, a good guy. Not yeah, I'm like, as uh, okay. statement. I'm going to remember. He that. hasn't shot anybody recently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's, he's not a psychopath, I guess. Like, compared <laughs> to uh, Grayer, me and my roommate were talking about this. Like, they definitely have the, those two hitmen, they have very different motivations. And the way that they act towards what they're hired to do is very different. Um, yeah. So I'll pass it over to Aaron. Just, uh, I don't want to say too much, but I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else to points. say. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I just yeah. have too much good stuff to say. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: know what to tell you. Yeah. I wouldn't say much more than that. He's yeah.
1: Then you can, Describe for us how he's funny looking. (laughs) Yeah, how he looks. (laughs) Elaborate.
2: I do think it's kind of unfair for them to put William H. Macy and Steve Buscemi in one movie. Like Only one of those guys per movie, please. (laughs) Um, No, they're both amazing.
1: I was telling Ian before we we went live that I I read somewhere that the Coens wrote the role specifically with Steve Buscemi in mind and, and never intended it for anyone else. Which made me enjoy all those lines of how he was described as funny looking and like funny yeah. looking how just or generally, generally funny, funny yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's like that's the best description yeah. of Steve Buscemi like mm-hmm. I, I could ever think of. It's it's just Yeah.
2: I will say he had one of my favorite lines when uh Gare I think it's when he shoots the cop and Carl just Whoa daddy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't ready for that.
1: <laughs> uh and so, uh, well, here you keep. Or since we're we're trying to even it out a little bit, <laughs> yeah. Even it yeah. out a little. Um, the other one, Greer or gr- Gare Gare, We'll go Greer. Um, like, how how is he like similar and, and and more importantly, like how is he different than uh, the the Carl character as far as the two bad guys?
2: He he is that Anton Shigur that you brought up earlier from No Country for Old Men. Um, just kind of evil incarnate, kind of like a shark, just, I don't even know, at, at some point you even question like, are they evil or are they just like, yeah. they're just a force, like mm-hmm, they're yeah. just a force of nature at some yeah. point. It, it's kind of like a, like I said, a shark. And um, cause he's just, he's always just kind of picking at food. He, it, it doesn't seem like he's really thinking. It just seems like he's like idling yeah. until his next violent act, yeah. uh, until something kind of sparks him enough to, you know, he's just like a machine just waiting to get flipped on. And it's like his only response is is just extreme violence. And and um, so, yeah, I, I think Carl, Steve Buscemi, uh, I, I think he has a heart, like he wants to, I think it's maybe what you're trying to say, like he wants money. I don't think he necessarily wants to hurt people. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, he shows he's willing to hurt people, but um, Gare, it's like no conscience, just someone's in his way, kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's pretty almost like bleak. It's like Gare never intended on giving the the Jean back. Right, right. yeah. It's, it's almost like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do the job, but like, you know, just very.
2: Yeah, Carl walks in, and she's laying there dead. Yeah. Jean's laying there dead, and he's like, what happened? And Gare's just like, yeah, uh, she was making noise or something. Yeah. And he's just mm. watching TV, eating his frozen dinner. Like, <laughs> yeah. no.
1: Yeah. Well, even the first time, like when they do the home invasion, and she's in the, you know, runs through the, the bath or the shower yeah. curtain, and gets conked, kind of runs around, conks out, goes on there and he just picks up her. Like I, the first time I saw, her, I thought she was dead, Yeah, right. you know, but it just, his indifference to it. It just, mm-hmm. he's indifferent to yep. anything human. He has right. no human. And even in the cop car at the end, yep. when he's apprehended, complete deadpan, just yep. no human emotions. Yeah, um, That's right. a really interesting
0: interact. Cause I don't think he says anything the whole time. So. It's just Marge talking mm-hmm. at him and, it's a really interesting.
1: Yeah. And scene. I think it's like, it really is showing, not to get too interpretive, but almost two faces of evil. There, you know, there is just this pure, unaltered, mm-hmm. like just evil from the pit of hell kind of thing. Just your, which they're not just fictional characters, right? And anyone who's, you know, you read the news or you, you be around certain spaces, like some really ugly, messed up stuff exists in the world that's just, in all of the worlds, like uncomfortable with evil, um, but evil exists. And then Steve Buscemi is almost this you know, the the Carl characters, almost this more ordinary face of evil, or you know, as much as I'm Machian, <laughs> like, I get what you're saying, like, I mean viewed one way he killed some people and did it for selfish reasons and that's bad <laughs> That's to be all clear we adhere to the traditional judeo christian uh, thou shalt not kill effect yeah, but not I, a psychopath and, according yeah. to ian i'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not you get i'm just saying he has a certain amount of concern he yeah. he does not trying you know like yeah. it really is about money and it spirals and he you know yeah. um but like some of the things that i found amusing were like the way he completely (laughs) lost his mind on the parking attendant over the $4. It's another guy he can push around. Another guy he can push around and just, you there, that uniform, he's (laughs) he's an airport (laughs) ticket taking, like he is not trying to assert authority. The guy's doing it with a smile on his face and he's just, you know, like it's it's four dollars. He's about to in his mind. He's about to get forty k if right. not more. Yeah, you know, haggling over four dollars. He's haggling over four dollars, but it shows that that same kind yeah. of brokenness of the heart that you know we see in Jerry. That we, you know, he doesn't like being considered small or he doesn't like feeling a certain way. He just over four dollars completely unloads in that guy, which Gar is not not going to do that. He's just you know he's either going to be not engaged or pay the four dollars and not give it another thought or just. Shoot the guy, yeah. In your he's sleep, either you know. gonna shoot him or
0: just, um, yeah.
1: But it's just how they're both faces of evil. One's not, I mean, I'm not, it's not about grading, or, or you know, I guess you could say one's worse in a certain sense, <laughs> but it's two shades of black, basically, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then pulling Jerry into that too is yeah. interesting
0: because he's a different kind, he's at least slightly different than Carl, but mm-hmm. because he's, I mean, you could almost argue he just had a different upbringing maybe, or just sure. different circumstances. Like maybe he's the same as Carl, They're but not they that just walks right. They just walked yeah. different paths. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he's the one who caused all this stuff. Like, right. you know, so.
1: And... We'll, we'll get to the, to the good characters. I just wanted to spend, and he's not a major character, but Wade, I think, can be lumped in with the, there's heart things yeah. that, you know, he's not the most evil character by any stretch, but there are some things in there that are operating that bounce off the other ones that serves as an accelerant, really. Um, yeah, so, like, what, what do you see with Wade? He, he scans, to me,
2: as self-made, uh, very um, confident in his abilities, mm-hmm. Um, sees for sure Jerry, but I would guess a lot of people beneath him, um, not worth his time, not worth his, um, attention. And I think just has this, like, um, because I, I believe he's self-made just has this confidence. Like I'll handle this. Like mm-hmm. my daughter's been kidnapped. Just let me talk to the guys. Let me go to the point we saw Jerry, like basically you're out, I'm in, I'm gonna handle this um and so yeah just a a like a a supreme confidence in in himself and and who he is and and what he's about and he sees himself as like like we mentioned earlier as the caretaker the true caretaker of the family Even though his daughter's married Mm -hmm. doesn't even uh (laughs) the thought of Jerry like caring for his wife and kid doesn't even (laughs) like affect him he's he sees himself as I think the true breadwinner of the Mm -hmm. family
0: and which he does employ Jerry. So there's a, yeah, sure. In a sense he is,
2: but in that, that kind of family thing you're talking about earlier, like there's another orientation where he's like, I I want my daughter and her husband to form their own path and their their Mm -hmm. own way. And, and it's like, that doesn't even interest him. He's just like, I'm the breadwinner. I lead the family. It's my money. Um, yeah, I think he's it. it I think he just wants Jerry just wants to build a parking lot, it sounds like. Yeah, so uh-huh. not even that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not even that like grand of an idea, mm-hmm. yeah. but he doesn't even trust him to do that. He's like, it's yeah. my money, yeah. I'm running it.
1: Well, and I, I loved how when that scene I was talking about before, the diner, he's just like. What if we offer five hundred times? Yeah, yeah. yeah, This isn't horse trading. Yeah, yeah. Right. Even Stan Grossman's like, all right, wait. Like, I, I gotta yeah. say, I'm on. You know, I'm on Jerry's side. Right. I gotta see it Jerry's way. Um, but it kind of shows just where his priorities are. Like, he loves his daughter, but he loves his money. <laughs> you know, and it's right. like, and I think a little bit of that that hubris of I can cut a deal, or you right. know, that's just an opening bid. I can, you know. Yep. Um, What about you, Ian? Yeah,
0: I mean, I think all the same stuff, but he's definitely is like a very much like a Scrooge McDuck type (laughs) character. That's it. And just, yeah, I I like what you said, Aaron, about the self made. I definitely get that vibe from him that he just feels like one of those guys who he thinks he can take care of everything. And and he does, he's a lot more competent than Jerry is. is. So there are probably a lot of things that he can take care of um but you know also at the end of the day this kind of gets out of hand for him and, and it's yeah, he's definitely one of those guys who you can tell how he got rich because even though he's very wealthy now he doesn't act wealthy at all yeah. and he still has the mentality of just like just hoarding everything and every penny that he can get like you know he holds on to it that's what i get from him you don't again it's, you don't see a ton of that but i think they give you enough of his character to see that that's the type of person that he is. Does he remind you of a duck? <laughs> yeah, Yes, he also does <laughs> remind me of a duck. I yeah. just
1: want to make sure you knew that, that there was an Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, Scrooge I was. I, <laughs> was so I was. You can reach for Ebenezer Scrooge if you want like a miserly guy without having to resort to the duck. Unless there's something about him that, that is very <laughs> duck-like to I you. I debated on which one to use, but I feel like <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge. He had a lot of
0: bills. That's a, pin, that's a pun. For, <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's where I was going with that. Yeah. Thanks for picking that oh, up. Okay, I got yeah. yeah. uh, I feel I foolish <laughs> for not not, not, not <laughs>
1: deciphering that. My bad. <laughs> well, it's interesting. And like ultimately his death, it, it's his pride right. really is exactly what leads him to his demise yes. where he is coming in. He's going to bulldoze. He's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Bishimi clearly unhamed, right? He is <laughs> yes. like, you know, you can tell he's yeah. exasperated and he's got the, you know, he's, not exactly this cool, rational right. kidnapper who's trying to do a deal. And I think if, if Wade was maybe a little less in love with himself and his power and ability to like bend people to his will, right. like a part of him, that little bit of like read the room, Wade. Right. <laughs> the guy's got a gun. Yeah. You know, this is a very emotional, very remote place. Yeah. Like maybe play this a different way. And it's just, he is just full blown. Like I want my daughter. I want, you know, and it's just, uh, a little bit of like a just desserts kind of like yep. kind of outcome for him.
0: But I think that's, what's interesting about those types of people is that, I mean, in some ways it's respectable. Like he goes up and he is, he's not scared of Carl, even though he's like yelling at him and he is this criminal, you know, he doesn't know anything about him. So we know Carl, Carl's kind of silly, like in some ways yeah. and, and we get that. So we can see that, but, but Wade doesn't know that. Like he doesn't know who he's dealing with. Like he could be dealing with a psychopath for all that mm-hmm. he knows. And, but he is still like he has a certain amount of courage to be able to stand up to this guy and say no and to like, you know, say like, I'm here instead of Jerry and he's, and he's going to try to talk him down or whatever. So there are these somewhat respectable things that he has mm-hmm. going for him. And he is really strong willed in some, you know, kind of quote unquote good things. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, his, his posture and his heart is all about, you know, at least, a good amount of what he's thinking about is how can he save money while also <laughs> saving his daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I think it's, it's an interesting character yeah. um, because he does have things that are admirable.
1: I agree. And 100%. it, it
0: kind of, in a, in a way it kind of reminds me of like Daniel Plainview from, uh, <laughs> there will be blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need to do that at some point. That would be great.
1: We have to do that when we're, we're ready. Yeah. 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 Once it we work out. Yeah, yeah. We, we
0: need to like get good at this first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to do that justice, but yeah. he has kind of that same character of like, sure. you don't—he's not a likable character, but you kind of respect certain things about him mm-hmm. just because he is self-made. You know, that's that's the vibe that he puts off.
1: Well, it also helps that that Jerry doesn't scream competent or deserving right. of respect. Right. <laughs> so yeah. there's a part of you that's like. You kind of like I disagree with what you're doing, like, but I get it. <laughs> but it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> at least it's
0: better than what Jerry's. Doing. Wade probably yeah. Yeah. should handle
1: this one. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. From exactly. Wade's
2: perspective, not knowing that it's a setup. Yeah. yeah. Oh sure. Oh sure. Oh
1: yeah. You betcha. Um, all right, let, let's bring some sunshine. Uh, <laughs> and so let's we can do it as a unit since I think they are a married couple in the movie. Margie's obviously the the dominant character, but. I think the dynamic Margie and Norm have is an intentional counterpoint, mm. uh, a ray of sunshine and an otherwise uh, blizzard <laughs> and bleak uh, landscape. Um, and so what I'm even, I guess, using leading language, but l- let's just take a few minutes and just expound on like, how do Margie and Norm sort of bring about some balance or at least a contrast to to the, the darker elements we see in varying forms, right? They're not all equally evil, but you know, those depictions, um, yeah, I'll leave it there. They definitely show
2: a, a contrast of like mutual respect, admiration. They're both for each other. Um, I think at the end of the movie, you know, Margie's just, um, like solve this, this major case that's kind of ravaged the, their little region. And, uh, she's like, she's celebrating him, um, his painting getting chosen as the three cent <laughs> the stamp, three cent. you know, and she's like, <clears throat> it totally has like all the, you know, all, I think all the rights in that moment to be like, Hey, if someone should be celebrated in this relationship right now, it's me. I kind of mm-hmm. did something major, you know, but she's celebrating him and she's like genuinely and appreciating him and and he's glum, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's you know, up, my yeah. friend got the 29 cent stamp, you <laughs> yeah. know, and she's like, "Oh, the three stamps are important," like, you know, and it I think it is that um yeah, that message of um I think when you when you see life is like it's not just the highs that matter you know it's it's all of life it's all the moments of um that kind of like create a life together i think that's kind of what they're celebrating at the end it's like it's not just the major accomplishments mm-hmm. you know it's the little things too and um, the way he gets up at four in the morning and makes her breakfast like Ian will do one day. Uh, Wait, I, <laughs> That's what you were oh, saying, oh, right? dang it.
0: <laughs> this is
2: on the I internet. What what I the I does that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot.
0: I just need to make sure I marry somebody who doesn't have to wake up at four in the morning for their job. <laughs> Ian's first dating question was always, do you work at night? Or? Also, do you like eggs? <laughs> <laughs> when are you working out? <laughs> <laughs> Are you fine with granola bars for breakfast?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I left you a yogurt cup in the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I opened it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if joking about Ian's dating life is fair game for this oh my podcast, gosh. <laughs> then I am here for oh, it. I think it. I just we've, know. I think we've uh, crossed now. that line in, yeah. the, in the history of these sh- oh episodes. Gosh. Aaron broached it first. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow,
0: <laughs>
2: that's one small step for <laughs> man, one giant step for this podcast.
0: <laughs> it's like it's like hearts. It just has to be opened, yeah. and then, and then anybody can play. We don't even need to pick a movie next time. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh! Uh, trust me, that is not content that people want to get into. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about that.
1: <laughs> we could do. She's just not that into you next time. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Man. And, and wow. so it begins. <laughs> wow.
0: Okay,
1: I need to compose
0: myself. I'll choose oh, okay. to look past that, so don't <laughs> <laughs> If we do the Parker, better any not sort edit of movies out. like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Anyway, Aaron, that's oh, beautiful. I affirm and agree wow. with that. Uh do we even need to hear from that? <laughs> Oh. Wow. Yeah, hey, I've got I've got some good
0: insight <laughs> on uh married couples. Yes. Yeah. No. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Proceed, Ian. <laughs> no, I I mean, all the stuff that Aaron said, I do like the idea of, like, all the small things really matter. And I do think that it it matters that you don't just see Marge, like, she doesn't live alone. You know, you don't see her, like, off doing her own thing. You do see her live this life with Norm, which is really simple and really, yeah, it, it's that dichotomy again of, like, the, the simplicity and, like, they're talking about his you know his paintings and like winning the stamp and all that and then she goes off and is like looking at you know people who just got shot or just got back from shooting somebody which is crazy traumatic things and I and and even like after she sees the two people get shot she asks the whenever they're about to get in the car she asked the the officer with her, she's like, oh, do you think, like, the store's open? And he's like, oh, why, do you think, like, do you think the owner's involved with this? And he's like, no, I just want to get wanna Norm get some, some night callers. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, she yeah. can do this switching between this yeah. cra- all this crazy stuff that's happening, but because she, I think part of it is because she has Norm as this base that she can fall back to, it, it, it grounds her, and then so she can kind of go out and venture into this, mm-hmm kind of weird stuff. And one of the things actually that was interesting to me is that part of the dichotomy and I think that the first half an hour feels it feels really dark to me. Like I I don't like it. And even the last part you see the 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 people that saw the you know um Carl dragging the police officer and they drive off and then they end up crashing and everything. Even you you don't know anything about them. But the guy gets out, his whoever the woman is, like his wife or whatever, she's still alive. And she's very much like, she doesn't look dead at all. She's conscious Mm. and everything. He just gets out and he runs. And so, like, I, I didn't really realize that until a little bit later. But just subconsciously, you get this feeling of like everything is so cold. Like, even this random relationship, you don't know who they are, but they're driving in a car late at night. Like they're obviously. You don't know each other. (laughs) Like, if they don't, that'd be pretty weird. But um, even that random relationship, so it's like not even evil. Like, I don't think those people were evil to any degree, but you see this like self preservation, um, something that Norm and Marge would never do. And and you get that's like pretty much the last picture that you get. So it's just, it's all this dark stuff. But then you, you get this tiny little picture of like, you can even have normal relationships where when it comes, you know, push comes to shove you're not going to die for that person. You're not going to stand up for them. And and that, I think that just even more contrasts, you know, it's just another thing that contrasts Marge and Norm's relationship. And I, yeah, I, the, everything about them. I love, I, I think it's great. I could talk for a long time about how much I love her character. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I, uh, that's a real interesting point about the the car crash, which I agree with. I just, I hadn't yeah. never thought of it that way, but you're right. I, I do think there is. I think it's just one of those really subtle movie things. He's yeah. He's just, the, he's just running no. out. He's just running. He's just right. running out. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a, that's a good pickup. I, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I think uh, in the same way that William H. Macy's Jerry character represents this, every man, like part of the magic of Margie is she's, part Sherlock I mean she just mm-hmm. walks in and dominates that crime scene it helps yeah. that she nails as it as the viewer mm-hmm. you see exactly everything unfold Yeah. but you know the, the sort of gomer pile <laughs> kind of guy <laughs> yeah. is just I do yeah, really sure, like him I, I really fantastic. like his character <laughs> but she doesn't demean him she's right. not you know what's right I think we're so conditioned in cop shows they're gruff they're mm-hmm. like you know they demand excellence or they're streetwise and they just are grizzled they've seen a lot like, and there's a cheeriness like almost like your your favorite like second grade teacher. She has that quality <laughs> yeah. of just being very affirming and bright but she's incredibly good at her job. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like probably the most famous quote of the movie is like, I don't 100% agree with I you. Love or that I'm not 100% quote, yeah. sure about your police work there, Lou. And <laughs> yeah. just the way, right? Because it's kind of thick headed, right? <laughs> the, the dealer played, you know, but her gentle way of mm-hmm. uh, promoting excellence, right? It's good police work. Mm-hmm. And he's not doing good police work, but in a way that like his dignity's intact. It's if she was weighed. Interacting oh, yeah. with Jerry, mm-hmm. Jerry wouldn't be as pushed to the edge as he was, right? If, mm-hmm. if she, like, if her vibe or, or her heart was transplanted in a lot of these different characters, some of the ping-ponging of uh, bad decisions would at least slow down or be muted. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a grace to her. There's a certain generosity of spirit to her, while still maintaining excellence. Which, and you know, I think a, a big part of that, as you guys are putting your finger on, is is in her relationship with her husband. And just the tenderness, and like if we see these faces of evil that range from you know the the shark-like kind of psychopath all the way down to yelling, <laughs> demeaning things at the ticket taker, uh, you you see in them, and, and the, there's the celebration of the good and the excellence in police work and solving this complicated crime, you know, just through her own just hard work and ingenuity. Um, but then these sort of mundane ordinary acts of, of love and kindness mm-hmm. and goodness, caring about your husband's three cent stamp. <laughs> or like I just love their little like lunch at Arby's and she's yeah. just like, you know, yeah. she's like, oh, you so got me. Arby's yeah. on me. Yeah. Or just you know, getting earthworms, like having that yeah. that wherewithal like in that place, you know, to just mm-hmm. switch gears and to think of him. Mm-hmm. And it's she's not about herself. Um, and it's just a really neat because she's also an every woman. She she yeah. isn't this paragon of virtue that feels unattainable, and there's an approachability to her that I think as the viewer, you just you like her and you're charmed, but you you don't feel intimidated by her. Or you know it doesn't feel unattainable.
0: Yeah, that's actually what I, I was going to ask you guys. That I have a question written down here, and my question is: Do you think that she? Well, cause to me, she doesn't come off as like a Mary Sue character. Like She doesn't come off as, as unattainable. But do you think that that person exists or could exist? Because she doesn't come off that way. But at certain points, like, could somebody be that caring and gentle, but at the same time, you know, is like shooting... A
1: serial killer, right? My Mm -hmm. wife listens to this podcast.
0: so.
1: (laughs) Yes, Yes. they do exist. (laughs) This is why
2: you're single, Ian. (laughs) I know
0: of at least one (laughs) example. (laughs) (laughs) As far as we're gonna go with that, Tim is is doing a throat slashing motion to to Ian right now. (laughs) 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 I am not taking the hint. (laughs)
1: Uh, to answer your question seriously, like I, I do, it's a ninety-minute film, and yeah. we see vignettes of yeah. your, do Margie and, and Norm bicker at times. Yes, right. Do right. they, yeah. you know, get cross at each other? Do they? At one point, has she slept on the couch? Whatever, has she slept in and not made her eggs? Yeah, yeah, right. Sure. So the the the, the snippets is presented in the movie. If that's the totality of her, no, that doesn't exist. Of course not. But I do think that graciousness and the mm-hmm. the orientation to not exert her power over other people, to not exert her intelligence over other people, to not make people feel so... Like, even the way... It's good police work because she's she's in her voice, but when she questions Jerry, she mm-hmm. has two interviews. And mm-hmm. in the first <laughs> one, right, she's, she has a very light touch, and mm-hmm. then the second one has a, a, a more direct tone where she knows yep. by this time he's... Um, but she still doesn't... Come down like a, a you know a ton of bricks. She she still is is being human with him, and it's got to be a, a fine line. If you are a cop investigating a triple homicide and you think this guy is not being straight with you, to to still have a firmness but a gentleness, but I do think that's attainable. I um, mean, I think it's consistent with our character, and I do think, uh, like all joking aside, I, I think there is a lot of people who who exist who, who are like that. Um, but just the the flesh and blood three-dimensional version <laughs> of, of Margie and not the, you know, which I don't think the movie's trying to say she's, you know, I, I think it's consistent with the character. It's just yeah. not depicted. No,
0: know? yeah, I think so too. I think I'm just kind of interested in like the the type of person, to be a cop, I think you have to be able to hard, you have to be rare. really hard at some yeah. points yeah. and to be able to have the graciousness too. Yeah. I, I think that's a hard yeah. thing, but I, I mean, I'm definitely, yeah. I do think it can exist, yeah. but I think it's rare. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think in terms of, her like her police background like she is a small time yeah
2: cop mm-hmm. so she's probably not used to a lot of those like i mean not that bad things don't happen in small towns but right it is it does have the vibe of a more folksy like yeah you know mm-hmm. it, it's not, not city seen, like where, right. two
1: dozen murders a year yeah right. right so
2: she she probably hasn't had a lot of those experiences that kind of harden and and can make people in those more challenging lines of work jaded and
0: yeah. Well, but the thing about it, but then she walks up to a triple homicide and is yep. like, oh, okay, right. like this is fine. Yeah. And that, that, I think I yeah. would have expected her to be a little bit like, whoa, because I kind of yeah. thought the same thing. Right. Of, this is a small town. This doesn't happen. I mean, probably ever, right. you know.
1: Yeah. It just, it and she also doesn't blink to shoot the no. guard. Yeah, right? she doesn't. No. And, and, you know, yeah. So that's as tough as nails. Yeah. because right? yeah. he was mm-hmm. fleeing, I mean, she shot once and missed, right? Right. Like, right. It's believable that a guy fleeing on foot from that distance with that kind of yeah gun, she doesn't want to shoot him. snow you know to. uneven yeah. footing being pregnant mm-hmm. you know I mean just whatever like that's You're an easy shot to miss
0: saying women can't
1: shoot they're <laughs> pregnant <laughs> the, the the sudden onset of morning sickness it was a demonstrated fact that I, I could hit at any time um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, it is that kind of steel magnolia thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I love it. I, th- I think yeah.
0: she's a great character, and I love whenever, uh, like whenever Mike tries to move over in the booth, and she just turns, she just <laughs> turns on her firm like, "No, I want you to move." <laughs> that is, it's the We're, way that she can turn it on and off. I think is, I love that. It's incredible. It's
1: funny you say that. Um, I've been holding back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. It, yeah. It, we've, we've been dawdling for for about an hour. It yeah. is time. For the Mike Yanagitsa conversation. <laughs> First, Mike. It is yes. time. This, this is, is my time. favorite scene. And it's it's a very remarkable scene because of how seemingly random it is. But it is also, I think, there for a reason. And it's funny you say that, Ian, because right before this podcast, I was like kind of re-watching some of the high points of the film and just naturally gravitated to this one. And I was watching it with my wife, and we actually like paused it like Francis McDormand's eye Hmm. and face acting where she's simultaneously that part of her that's soft is like, I mean, he's talking about his dead wife and you can tell he's emotional and like teetering on the edge, but then she's empathetic, but, he's she's slightly creeped out because yeah. he's a little creepy and overbearing and then when he wants to sit next to her that hard no but then she allows him to reclaim his dignity where mm-hmm. he's just like oh, no, no, you know oh no i just my neck i you know we, we don't want to be you know like those little touches of allowing someone to maintain their humanity but like if you just watch it when she's not talking and just listening to him just it's clear as day what she's thinking just in like her eyes and like the, the wrinkles of her nose. It's just it's fantastic acting. I, I just mm-hmm. I really love that scene. But I, I want to cue Aaron up because I know Aaron's <laughs> the man to interpret this scene. I, I feel like he's cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. No. Yeah.
2: No, I it was my favorite scene. Um it is my favorite scene. And I think the acting, I I think the acting is brilliant. Um, and I, it's a, it's a true turning point for her, uh, for, um, Margie. She, she is for, for the, for most of the movie, we've seen her gracious side. We've seen her, her kindness, her softness, her gentleness. And, um, that is a, it's a little bit taken advantage of by, uh, Jerry in the, in the first interview. He, Mm. he lies to her. He just straight up lies to her. And she takes him at face value because that's the kind of person she is. And, um, but she, she has this, this turning moment in that scene and then the next scene when she's, it seems like she's talking to another friend who's also in the city that she's not going to be able to catch up with, but tells her the the true story of Mike Yanagita. And it's not the same as the story that Mike told at dinner or getting a drink or whatever. And, um, she, she has this moment where she realizes like, or maybe remembers like, not everyone is like being gracious in the same way that she is. Not everyone is, you know, dealing in truth and um, believing the best. And it, it's, you know, before she goes home, she decides to go back to CJ mm. for the second interview, and he, he's fleeing the mm. interview. You know, it's one of my favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is one of my She'll, favorite how lines. Yeah. Line. <laughs> <Yeah>. How do <laughs> you get outside line? Like I just love that too. Like it made me laugh. Um, but yeah, I think that's why I appreciate It's it's just a turning point for a character. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's I don't know if it's something that, kind of going to the point where we're saying of the the small town. It happens when she's in the big the Twin Cities. Like mm-hmm. it's just this this shift and like. The kind of folksy, mm. the home of Paul Bunyan, like, it's like this crime, it's not happening in that same kind of world, you mm-hmm. know, that she's used to living in. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of, it's a moment where her eyes are open and yeah. said she goes back for the second interview and hmm. she's on the trail.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's interesting how it relates to the interview. Yeah. Right. That's I, a I good, hadn't thought that's about a that. That's yeah. What do you see, Ian? Um...
0: I'm trying to think. Yeah, I th- I think it just shows you more of her character. I think it just flushes her out a little bit. And you see you see the caring, but then you also see her handle somebody who's a little bit unstable. And you see her kind of like just doing whatever she can. Like she is kind of caring, but then she's also like sipping on her diet Coke. (laughs) Coke. She's kind of like looking around with her eyes like, Oh, this is getting weird. Like, and then, you know, and then she just like rebuffs him really quickly and really firmly. But then, you know, like you said, turns that around and lets him regain some of that dignity. And, and even, yeah, whenever she's talking to her friend of just like, Oh, that's a surprise. Like she doesn't even being a cop, she doesn't look at the world as everybody's, you know, everybody's lying, everybody's phony, like, which I think to me is just, it's, I like characters like that when they're believable and she Mm -hmm. comes off as really believable to me. Mm -hmm. And I like that genuine, wanting to believe people because I'm not naturally like that. So I don't, I, I, I'm not even a cop and I, <laughs> I already like people say something to me and I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> <State of jail. laughs> yeah, I mean, straight to jail. Arresting people. Yeah. Except for Steve yeah. and me his, uh, yeah.
1: Except for Carl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and,
0: and citizens arresting people all over the place. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but whenever it's done well, and it's kind of the same, I feel like this with people that I meet where I don't meet a lot of people who are genuinely like that and the people that I do meet really strike a chord with me who want to see good in other people Mm -hmm. and who will do that even to the point of being naive to some degree but it's so genuine that it, I don't know. It, it it moves me. Like I really, I think I just value that a lot because I see how that can be a really good thing. And I'm not naturally like that. So to see that in a character portrayed so well, where it's believable, but it also has that small town folksy charm. And, it, but it's, you know, based in this reality of like, Yeah, I I don't know. All all the things that we've been saying, I just, Mm -hmm. I really, really like that a lot. So I think the, that whole scene, I think just reinforces her character in a lot of different ways and shows you the way that she interacts with people, the way that she wants to interact with people. um, And just the part of the way that she views the world, which I think is important.
1: Can I get a commitment from you that Mikey and is creepy? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, Again, yeah, I'm on board with that I'm one. Just, yeah. a- after the, the Carl revelation, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I want to believe the best about you. I just, you know. No, I'm on board with that. Okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah, I think I see it in developing maybe the, the theme I've been honing in on of just the many faces of evil. Mm. Um, hmm. He has a, he's, so right damaged or your first interaction with him I mean the phone call at like was it 1045 or something Yeah, Yeah, that's like weird right but she still meets with him you know she yeah she thinks the best she's empathetic she's an old high school he's not unknown he's not you know and this is before the creepy internet stalker thing but like you know she knows him. They went to high school together. Probably hadn't thought about him since, but you know those he knows bonds. Norm, those bonds. He yeah, exactly. They probably all right. went to high school together. Exactly. Yeah. What was Norm? Uh, Norm's Son of a Gunderson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was So good. That's that was right. really yeah. good. Norm's Son of a Gunderson. Of a Gunderson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but right, so he has this super sympathetic story, but is still weird and edgy, and she doesn't quite, you know, the the whole thing we just expounded on. Um, But then it turns out it is a bald faced lie. Yeah. Like, and there's really no optimistic way of spinning that. Mm, I right. mean, the only thing is just pure delusion, like yeah. pure mental illness that he didn't even know what planet he was on, yeah, that's which is one, not really comforting. Yeah, it's not comforting, but it's the one angle you it's could can be like gracious
2: towards him. Like right. he's going through something. Every and other yeah. one is
1: right. he, he was manipulating her right. for a whole sliding scale of creepy, scary, bad things. And I just thought it was an interesting trick on the viewer because you there's a part of you that has a red flag about this guy, but as you hear and then you, you take your cues from um, from from R.G. Where, where she kind of accepts them and is sympathetic or empathetic, and um, to have it turn out that way, it shows that like yeah, you can look at that like, Gar and be like, that guy's probably, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but I'm judging that book by that yeah. cover. <laughs> that guy, there's something wrong with that guy. He's got the shark eyes, right? Yeah. He just, he doesn't talk, you know. And it's another way of like, you know, someone like like Jerry looks harmless and we know has these things lurking. And then it's almost like Mikey Anagita's, you know, if that's a spectrum, he's almost like, Bringing out the the z axis, it's, it's making it like a, off that spectrum mm. of like someone who's actively sympathetic, who's actively someone mm. worthy of that can be. You don't think that someone can lie about that. Like your wife, ha- like you, this woman yeah. who you were high school, she was like a year behind them in high school. Right. Like, di- like, it's a very verifiable fact, mm. which is why you believe it when he says that because right. it's almost so worthless to lie about. Why would you lie about that? Which gives it credibility. Right. Um, it's such a, uh, a bold lie. (laughs) Right. And I think that it's just being in plain sight and and playing out our sympathies and then having that turn out to be like another flavor of evil. Right. It it just shows that you can have evil in, in bad packages, evil in harmless packages, but even evil in like kind of that wolf in sheep's clothing aspect of it, where you actually are, are being led to empathize. And then from that place of empathy be preyed on. And it's just, Mm-hmm. All under this this Fargo kind of the oh betcha oh sure mm-hmm. polite kind of society place, it's still the same evil lurking, and I, I just really appreciated I think the scene for, from that angle. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: So, having kind of gone through the characters, I think we're, the threads are starting to emerge, but let, let's just spend a few minutes on on what we think the movie itself is saying. I, I know I just spent a lot of time kind of unpacking yeah. my, my perspective um, before we sort of pull into maybe some gospel applications but like what, what do you think that the movie's depicting or saying um, just as, as this the ill ill gotten plot kind of careens out of control? <laughs> You should go first.
0: Turn. I'm still trying to collect my thoughts. Yeah,
2: I think um, what you were saying, yeah. Tim, like that's what I got out of it was the way that, in the same way that, that snow can can blanket a landscape, right. um, the kind of niceties, the the way that we're kind of like socialized to be, can cover a lot of darkness mm-hmm. and, and, and evil and. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in, yeah, in some ways you're almost, um, it cause because it's socialization, you're kind of pressured to, mm-hmm. to, I think, see people certain ways and believe certain things about people. And, and there's, I mean, that's kind of where this word psychopath comes from, right? It's someone who just sociopath, like they're, they're willing to recognize those things and actually like abuse them and manipulate them and, and use the ways that, um, we've all kind of agreed to mm-hmm. you know, even Ian, <laughs> yeah, even Ian. <laughs>
0: most of the time.
2: <laughs> yeah. To, um, you know, not, not go below the, the surface of this, this layer of snow. Um, just people who
0: know that and take advantage of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think to just agreeing with that and then the, like, the next step of that, I think. And and I think they're try, kind of trying to say this is the way you fight that, like you can be a police officer and you can, you know, you can be out there like actively fighting against some this sort of darkness, but it, really the way that Marge fights against it, I think is just by her and Norm being like, I don't know, because I don't want to just say like decent, but they're just being normal or they they have good hearts Mm -hmm. and they're content with that like he's content just painting his pictures (laughs) of ducks you know but there's something profoundly good about Mm. that and I think it affects Marge and you know it's just the whole package of them together that I think even if she wasn't a police officer she's still and both of them I think are doing real good in the world. And, and it's not because they're doing something huge. It's just because they're loving people and they're caring about people. And, and so I think it's this idea that there are bad things. They come in a lot of different ways and really they come from everywhere. Right. Cause there's Jerry should have the same relationship, you know, quote unquote should have the same relationship that Norm and Marge have, right? Like Gene and Jerry, they're just, they have a kid, they, you know, there's suburban family. Like there's not really any reason why they shouldn't. It's just that the heart postures are different and the things that he prioritizes are different. And so I think it's just, again, drawing that dichotomy of like there is evil everywhere and it can come from all these different packages and can look like all these different things. But the way that you fight against that sometimes is direct, but I think it can just be this really simple way of just living your life and caring about people even the people, you know, that are in your family that are, like, really close to you, even simply doing that sets you up to care about the people that are, you know, a little bit more, that aren't as closely attached to you. And that has its own ripple effects. Um, So I I think, to me, a lot of it was just the, the simpleness of being that, like, folksy small town. I think, yeah, it really, it doesn't look down on that at all. I think it really actually praises that and looks at that, as the answer. And I think, you know, jumping ahead a little bit from a Christian perspective, that's not quite all the way there, but I think it encapsulates a lot of Christian ideals of we're not here to save the world, we're just, you know, trying to love people and we're just trying to do our part. And so I think if you're looking at it purely from a secular perspective, it it does kind of uh it doesn't quite get anywhere because you there's all these holes that you can punch it of like, well, You know, what if they did all these things, but let's say, you know, their kid, you know, they have a kid and or they miscarriage or whatever. There's like all these things, bad things that could happen to them. And we don't really necessarily see any bad things happen to them. Um, But you can you can poke all these like philosophical holes and like just be good for the sake of good. But if you add this, you know, God's going to take care of things. He is eventually going to uh, take vengeance on and, and bring into judgment all of that evil, that we don't have to worry about that. Then to me, at least being who Marge and Norm are, that is enough then at that point, because you don't have to, you know, you do your job. If you're a cop, you do that, but you know, but wherever you are, you just do your thing. And that is enough because we don't have to be the ones that are, you know, going to bring into judgment all those evil things and all the different packages. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my, I think just, yeah, like playing off of what you said.
1: Do you think it's an optimistic or a pessimistic movie?
0: Uh, yeah, that is a really interesting question. I think the Coen brothers play around with that a lot with their I don't films. think that's a right or wrong answer. Yeah. I could make a case for it. No, I I'm think you kind of can. I yeah. see it as more, I think I tend to do this with a lot of, like, I almost even see um, Blood Meridian. I don't know if you guys are the <laughs> core I kind of see that as an optimistic book. Oh, wow. But okay. not not necessarily like purely optimistic, but I think it has some optimistic tones in it. <laughs> which which Oh, I think, daddy! Yeah, <laughs> <I think laughs> I, a lot of people would not, which is funny because I'm not an optimistic person, but, um, I, I kind of look at this as an optimistic movie <laughs> because I think it says that no matter, no matter what else is going on, you always have the chance to fight against evil. And no matter what their reasons are for saying that they're saying that you have the chance to fight against evil and that is going to be good. And they might not, you know, they don't back up this whole philosophy of why they say that. But I I think that's kind of what they're saying. I just have it in
1: my notes. Um, Like I said, we talked about the very beginning of the movie and the very end. Margie and Norm are in bed. And and they do the whole, we've talked about the three-cent stamp thing. (laughs) Which is a great, it's a great Fantastic. Yeah,
0: Um, that's great.
1: But after they talk about the stamp, they're sitting there and they kind of snuggle up, like getting near bedtime. And they're just like, we're doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then there's just like two more months and like the baby bump referring to, you know, the, the child being born. And I think there's a way of looking at that is like if they're this picture of grace, right, the way she treats people with humanity and dignity and respect and is a force of you know, she did apprehend the bad guys. She did right wrongs or be just like, you know, in the Christian perspective, God worked through her to bring light into the world, both in how she treats people, but then in her competence in solving crimes and, and getting bad guy off the street, right? Um, and so bringing a child in and just being an influence on their community, you know, and starting small, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a tiny speck of light in you know an otherwise dark world. And then uh, I think the pessimistic take is probably a little more self-explanatory. Um, I don't know. I was just curious if you had a thought, Aaron. Would you lean more pos- pessimistic or optimistic?
2: I would have leaned optimist, but Ian made me question if
0: I understand <laughs> the meaning of
1: that word. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: I think you need to go read Blood yeah. again. <laughs> oh, I have. <laughs> that's, that's the
2: problem. Uh, yeah, no, I... I lean optimist in general, and I think when I watch the movie, my read is, um, it's kind of that, um, we talk about a lot, but the end of True Detective season Mm -hmm. one, to me, it's that that same kind of idea where they're looking at the stars, and it's, you know, the, looks like the darkness is winning, there's so much dark in the sky, and then I think Matthew McConaughey says, you know, well, yeah, (laughs) actually, no, it's not McConaughey, it's uh, Woody, is it? No, I'm totally confused. I think myself. it's, I think it's Matthew McConaughey. It is McConaughey. I'm pretty sure it is. It is McConaughey. But yeah. He says, well, actually the light's winning. Cause in the beginning there was only darkness and now mm-hmm. there's light. So I think it's that same idea. Like as long as that's my reading of it, of uh, Fargo is as long as there's light in the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, darkness can't like, it can't
1: win. So let me slightly tweak the question. Um, is it just for full disclosure, I'm an internally consistent uh, pessimist. <laughs> uh, I'm not a cynic who then finds Blood Meridian to be aspirational oh or gosh. optimistic. So <laughs> I'm probably, internally consistent. So I actually read it as a pessimistic film, uh, which is helpful, I think, in our because we can at least yeah. disagree. Um, and I do think there's room for both perspectives. But tweaking that question slightly... Is this a a New Testament or an Old Testament? And by that, I mean, is it a a kind of depicting law in some of the inadequacies of the law? Or is it depicting sort of grace and how grace operates in darkness? Or is that too heavy of a question to kind of spring on (laughs) you?
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot in there. I mean, I I think my... Well, you kind of get both sides of it. But to me... I look at Marge as like she's the biggest character and she's the one that I gravitate the most towards and her just her enormous relationship. So to me, I see that as and they kind of win in the end, right? Like one of the last scenes is her driving with Greer or Gare yeah, in let the me, back.
1: I actually wrote it down verbatim because okay. I thought it was that important. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I'll just hopefully to help out. Um, she talks to him, she's just like, was that Gene there? And then I take that that was your partner there in the wood chipper, and the guy's just silent. And she says, and for what? A little bit of, and I'm not going to try to act. <laughs> I found myself falling into that, and I'm like, no, stop. I think you should You do are that. not friends with Dorman. <laughs> yeah. Don't even get into character. And my best monotone, <laughs> and for what? A little bit of money. There's more to life than a little bit of money, you know? Don't you know that? And here you are, and it's a beautiful day. And then she goes well, and then it goes on. I just don't understand it, mm-hmm. and that's you know. And then that that cuts to the scene of them in bed, kind of closing out the movie. Or I think William H Macy getting arrested. Yeah, and then yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, So continue your thought. I just wanted to a
0: yeah. quote. No, you know? yeah, and and to to a certain extent, that she wins, right? Like her and Norm kind of win that, and then and the movie ends with them looking forward to their to their kid, and so. I mean, if you really want to take a, well, no, never mind. I'm not even going to go there, but, um, <laughs> I All I just, know is a wave of relief. <laughs> just <on> yeah. the- <laughs> I was about to draw some very, very, um, not strong parallels. <laughs> so I'm just going to say what I'm sure somebody has before, but, um, yeah, I, I think that you do see, like you were saying this earlier, is that her grace and the way that she treats people is a huge factor in the movie and you get this idea that if oh if more people were like Marge probably Jerry wouldn't have acted this way you know and if more people were like Marge like probably Carl like maybe even wouldn't even be where he is right now you know and there are some people who are you know more just kind of that pure evil but um, yeah so to me that kind of wins out the movie and and I think I I, I definitely see both sides of it and, and even her kind of saying like, yeah, I, I just don't know. Um, but it doesn't end. You know, you could have ended the movie right there, right? But it doesn't end right there. And so I think that's why I'd say it's more, I, I at least see the grace side of it and see how impactful that is and how that does change. It doesn't necessarily change anybody's life that you see but you see people really protected by that and so i, I think from that perspective that's why i'm looking at as optimistic and i think you could say it's you could say it's a new testament um movie from that i think because it does have that that grace as a really powerful force yeah the scene with margie arresting gare and when they're in the car together
2: to me that's that's more pessimistic because it's like he's unaffected by mm-hmm. that like he, he, he doesn't care at all mm-hmm. and she got one gear the world is still full of gears right and and will continue to be and i think sometimes there's this belief that like humanity is becoming like more moral more pure but i don't i don't know if it's necessarily like a provable assumption that like humanity is just on its own on a trajectory to like like widespread moral good. And I think like, that's kind of like what you were saying with, it's almost like that Ecclesiastes mindset of like, you look around the world, it's like bad stuff happens to good people mm-hmm. all the time. And I think without God, without like the the plan that he has set forth, like why would you have any hope that being a good person, doing the right things, acting graciously would transform anything. Cause the gears will still exist. They'll still be out there, you know, causing pain and mm-hmm. and death and hurt. And I think like, yeah, it's like that Ecclesiastes thing. Like you, you look at these guys and you're like, what, like, why, like, why does this exist? And I think, you know, the, the only, as a Christian, like the, the hope we have to, to live these ways, to, to serve as a contrast to the world, it's, it's kind of like that, again, like that light thing keeps coming to my mind. Like you look at the sky, it's mostly dark Mm -hmm. with a few lights. And that's kind of how we're called to live as followers of God, these like lights and to believe that that does matter. And that that is part of this plan that is restoring the creation to the the way it was intended to be. And Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not saying that's what the movie's saying, but uh, that's, I think if it had ended with her in the car feeling like, Like, why? Like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a, it's a pessimistic, like, ending. But because it ends with um, Margie and Norm in bed together, kind of celebrating his painting.
0: Yeah, and even new birth. And birth, they're looking towards Mm.
2: birth, life,
1: has inherent sin yeah right <laughs> oh,
2: <okay>. yeah. <laughs>
0: well,
1: they, they could potentially be having a gear you don't know you don't know
0: i think <laughs> i think part of i mean i i definitely i do think the cohen's are more pessimistic so uh, i think you but just from watching some of their other yeah. films um but i mean you know you watched like no country which they didn't completely make up that story but they did choose to depict it the way that they did. And and in that, you know, she would have, if, if that was, if this was, if Fargo was the no country story, you know, she somehow would have crashed at the end or something. And then Gare would have like walked out of the car. Right. And he would.
1: See, I actually think. So I'm interested to hear yeah, what your I, take um, is. Yeah. I actually, th- especially since they come from the same <coughs> writer director, mm-hmm. like I think this movie in no country are in dialogue with each other. Yeah. Day. And. and what, what you put your finger on, I actually think the companion scene of, of uh, Margie and, and the police car is when Tommy Lee Jones yep. in No Country is is at the his mentors yep. like Shack yep. with the weak old coffee, and yep. you know they're just talking about just evil has always existed, it always will, and it's just you know we're policemen, we we tried, but it's just this. Yep. And Sugar was a face of it, yeah. but it's it's inevitable, and there's a weariness that comes from it. And, I think in a lot of ways, the movies are agreeing with each other. It's just no country is taking a a macro kind of Mm -hmm. big picture. And I think Fargo, you know, because Ant and Sugar is different. Yeah. And I think no country's around Ant and Sugar. I would love to do a whole podcast on like movies that talk to each other. But Mm -hmm. um, I think the focus is on like the the, the unstoppable evil and the ripples it causes. And I think this movie, it's about the banality of evil and and Mm -hmm. how it's camouflaged and Mm but it's still lurking yeah. there. And so, well, I do think it's interesting because I, I think they're like, I, I appreciate and, and don't really have a beef with, with anything you said, Ian. I think that's a very legitimate way of seeing well, it. I don't
0: know if you ever said I, that before, Tim. <laughs> I'm glad this is recorded. It's setting up so I can <laughs> knock you down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I,
1: that was my uh, Yanagida my, 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 my moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's the leukemia, the yeah. Wow,
0: man. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> at least you're saying that you're Mike and not me. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, I should rethink that. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I don't you like want to be drawing that. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to rethink that. Um, anyway, I, I think I think Fargo, from my perspective, is fundamentally about the inadequacy of the law to constrain the human heart. And so that's why I see it more as an Old Testament movie. um, Because I think, and I think Aaron and I agree, although Aaron sees the the (laughs) twinge of happy at the end, I I think Margie's disillusioned in Mm -hmm. the car. And I I think she she comes face to face and he doesn't even answer it. And I, I think, in this sort of Christian way of seeing it, not I think what the Coens are saying, but it's almost as if Margie has like the Holy spirit, like, like she sees life in a different way. So she's talking about like, there's more to life than money, you know, like, you know, don't you know that? And like, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful day, you know, and like it's talking about stamps and things that people don't appreciate unless you have a different, your values are different or, or what you think life is about. And all these other characters are so intensely self-centered. Mm-hmm. It's about what I, you know, and so Margie's this picture of humility, this picture, you know, all the things we've talked about, it's a picture of grace. Um, but the law, right. And we know in the old Testament and it, it it shows us our inadequacy, right. But the law doesn't constrain the human heart. So like the, the, the things that made Carl the way he was that made Jerry, the way he was that made way, those were cracks in their heart and circumstances put pressure on them. And, and so yeah. the pressure caused the cracks to turn into chasms and, and all kinds of bad things happened. But those cracks were there and the law illuminates it, but the law doesn't offer a solution and offer hope. And, and there's no way of, of mending that crack and there's no way of, you know, so the law has a purpose and it's to show that. And, and it, to the extent that you want to be good, you can't, you can feel the inadequacy of it. I um, mean, and I think that, that Margie in that like, I think she would like, almost like she engaged in that conversation to try to bring him into mm-hmm. uh, her way of seeing it. Almost like an invitation, you know, and, and he just didn't even engage. It's not even like they had a debate and stalemated. No. Like he, and, and cause pure evil just has no interest in the things of God and the things, you know, like apart from well, grace is unmerited favor, right. in our Christian definition. And so like, there's this God initiated, like you don't reason your way there. You don't listen to Margie and all her charm and all her likability in the police car win you over. It's just, that's not the way it works. And so like kind of going back to that theme of, of the, the law to convict, but, but not to say like it it showed in, it would make the most shortest, most boring movie ever, but (laughs) we don't know the backstory of Jerry, how he got into the money hole. We know he got into a hole. But from the very beginning, he's faced with, I can, whatever shady thing I did to lose that money, I can repent and I can own up to the consequences. I can face them and I can move on, whether it was jail or whether it was disapproval, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. it was, face up to it. Like you did the deed, the loss, convicting you, own up to it and just it stops there. You pay your penance, whatever that may be. And you pick up the shambles and you move on, but he won't repent. (laughs) And he goes and it's like, I got a scheme. And and every time he, and and not just him, but all these characters, right. Wade and, and Jerry Carl, like every time they have a chance to turn towards good or towards toward like something that shows that they're not just about themselves. Yeah. um, They can't, do it. It's just, it's like they, they can't, yep. it's just, they're, they're bent, they're broken. And so I just feel like the, the movie is just showing in many different ways and many different faces and many different scenarios from super, super off the chain, evil and hard all the way down to mundane, ordinary evil and everywhere in between. But the law can't save and the law can't constrain that because Jerry knew kidnapping's bad. (laughs) Jerry knew for as naive as he may have been the idea of contracting with two unknown kind of sleazy guys like that's bad. He knew he was doing all these things against the law but the law didn't wasn't enough to say Jerry get a grip turn towards the right thing. All it was was something to plow through. And so I think the law, to a certain extent, if it appeals to our self-interest, can curb our, our baser instincts, but it can't make us good. And none of those characters found any kind of redemption yeah. through the law, which is why I think it's primarily in Old Testament. And I think Margie's disillusion. I think Margie sees that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad she has, because her little pot of, of light with, with, with Norm is unaffected. And I'm glad. I, I, I don't want it to be an all sad ending. <laughs> you know, and, and like, I'm sure they'll be great parents. Like, right. I, I see that, that whiff of, of nice or, or hope, but I also feel like she at least confronted with the limits of like what a policeman can do. Mm-hmm. A policeman can't make a bad guy good. Right. And mm-hmm. I think she, and I don't know that she thought that earlier in the movie. I don't, I don't see right. evidence of that. Mm-hmm. But I think she definitely came face to face with that mm-hmm. in that scene. Yeah, so that's my pitch.
0: Yeah, no, and that makes sense. I think I do still see some hope there because I don't think it, it doesn't like break her or anything. I think she does. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like she does see that and it, she doesn't understand it. And I think it, it does something to her.
1: Mm-hmm. But it doesn't break Tommy Lee Jones either in, in the right. country. And he, yeah. He keeps, I mean, I know he's like retired or whatever, but mm-hmm. like you just, the world still needs policemen. Right. You know, I think it right sizes the expectations, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah yeah there's a
0: yeah there's a lot of we could definitely talk about that yeah. for a long
1: time, so I guess it's uh are we at rating time i guess i so. I propose we give it we rate on a wood chipper scale <laughs> <secret>. <laughs>
0: i was I was trying to think of something <laughs> that i hadn't thought that's pretty good though. Yeah. Yeah. Is more wood chippers (laughs) better or worse?
1: (laughs) Depends what perspective (laughs) you take.
0: We'll take Gary's perspective on this. More wood chippers, definitely better. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I think I would give this five full wood chippers. Okay. The more, I mean, I've only seen it twice. I really liked it both times for all the reasons that we talked about today. And talking about it. Just makes me like it even more. (laughs) So I think I, I, I think it is maybe the only downside to it is there is. It's not a complete picture because there is kind of this misunderstanding and there is this like being face to face with pure evil. And even if it doesn't change her, she doesn't really have an answer for it. So, you know, maybe that's one of the only things that I would like to be a little different, but I, I think i give this five wood chippers. All right. Yeah, Garrett Gar- Gar can go wild. Garrett Gar- Gar- can go wild. <laughs> 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 well, What's your non-rating
2: rating, Aaron? Yeah, I am going to give this one a rating. I-, I will also go five wood chippers. Um, I enjoyed it that much, and I think it's... Um, acting three (laughs) yeah francis mcdormand um i mean she's amazing yeah she is amazing amazing. in this so good and so is everyone else like this everyone nailed it in this movie and um yeah five gary now has 10 (laughs) wood chippers so (laughs) watch out
0: i think too before i just want to say this really quick is like I mentioned at the beginning just the the string of things that I liked about it. it this this movie really does make me it makes me feel like hopeless and sad. <laughs> it's like brutal. So it makes you like cringe at certain parts. Yeah. Like it, genuinely it's pretty scary at certain places, but then it's so funny. Like genuinely I was laughing at it. Yeah. And then just Marge is one of the most lovable characters and it has this warm and comforting feeling and to do all of those things really well I I felt all of those and I think normally if a movie does one or two of those things well that makes it a really good movie and to do all of those and even more really well I think that's yeah that's another reason why Five difference.
1: <laughs> well, and it's twenty six years old. Yeah, and doesn't feel that dated. No, like, not you know, at I all. Mean, some of the cell dated. phone stuff, maybe, mm, but like sure. it, it does not feel no. dated. And that also, I think, is a mark of yeah. a movie that's saying something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the
2: uh, the Mister Morris scene like, towards the end, the guy who's like,
0: oh, I love that scene. <laughs> it's so good. That's the one I was trying to think of earlier. That yes, was my other that is one. a great. I but love I it because
2: it's a lot of those things you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's like he's describing like something. Horrible, yeah. But he's just like, "Yep, Mrs. Mora told <laughs> me to
0: call this in, and so that's what I'm doing." <laughs> yeah, he's like, like so. End of story. End of story. <laughs> he just says, "End of story."
1: It was because so, oh. when I was watching before, I was watching that scene and laughing, and one of my sons was just like, "What's funny?" And I'm yeah. like, "It's not a just one day. Just give, yeah. me, give me like yeah. ten or fifteen. You know, yeah. you'll, you'll one day." Um. I have very few rules, uh, absolute rules in my life, but one of them <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> is when Tom Hanks says a movie is a perfect movie, mm. you give it five wood shippers. Tom Hanks says Fargo is a perfect movie, um, and yeah, I, I don't really have anything to expound upon other than I agree with what Ian said, and it's definitely upper, maybe top two or three Cohen. Movies like, Mm -hmm. and we keep talking about that. I do love uh, uh, No Country for Old Men, Um, and we can get into that later. But um, I don't know, we probably just killed somebody's recommendation, but. It's recommendation time.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. So I said I had two earlier. Yeah, I had Ian. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm back. I got him. I was going to say Uncut Gems because it did (laughs) make me think of Uncut Gems, just especially the first half an hour of you just watching Jerry make bad decisions, just (laughs) dig himself into the hole more and more. But it does that. I think it it's like, it takes that Jerry character and it's just the whole movie and it's what happens to him. If he just runs well, if
1: Fargo was set in New York city and yes. Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> that's you get uncut yeah, gems. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if totally. you
0: liked that aspect of it, which I will say, I like uncut gems. I don't know that I would watch a whole movie about Jerry, but, um, yeah. I really like uncut gems. So I would say that. And then I also, I was thinking something with the same type of humor and I was thinking in Bruges, I think is a good, it has that same way. It, it deals with really serious issues and there's, there's serious things happening, but the type of humor is still that very dry, yeah. like very, yeah, just kind of this very British, like um, yeah, just witty humor and, and not like, yeah, it's, it's in very subtle ways. And so I think if you like how uh, if you like the type of humor in Fargo, I think you would like in Bruges. That it has the same type of humor. I knew you were going to so, say in Bruges. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I I thought of that too, and I was like, but Ian's going to say uh, it. So. I did just watch it not that long that's, ago. So. I think you were talking about. That's yeah. why I, I knew
2: it would be fresh on your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are actually pretty good. I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who who's doing your recommendations <laughs> well,
1: now? not bad for a guy
0: who thinks blood meridian. is good I just drank some water. And I almost said a spit take all over <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> who did you pay? <laughs> Those
2: oh are a gosh. little too good. Um, <laughs> no, I've got I came up with two. Um for similar reasons with Embruge, I think like Snatch, it it's got oh, that yeah. it's got that same kind of like dark humor. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, the, a little bit like I think one of the things I I really liked about Fargo is the way it it is like over the top in some ways, the accents, the, um, some of the characters, the acting, but like, it just works. Like it, like I said, it doesn't like, it it doesn't at all go into like B movie territory where sometimes you can land with that stuff, but it's just like, it is, it's an excellent movie. And, um, snatch, if you like that particular angle of the, the kind of like over the top
1: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs>
2: things it's, snatch has that same kind of over the top aspect. Um, the other one it's um, it's kind of an odd movie it's, it's called Kumiko, the, the Treasure Hunter, and it's about a, a Japanese woman in Tokyo who's, who finds a tape of Fargo and be, <laughs> believes it and believes that it's real oh, and so I she goes she goes to Minnesota to try and find the money
0: uh-huh
1: oh wow. Huh. <laughs>
2: yeah. And um it's you know it, it's entertaining it's interesting it's it's definitely an odd movie but um and a local band the Octopus Project did the uh wow. soundtrack oh, for it nice so.
0: man. All right. There's some good references. Yeah. <laughs> I do my own work Ian. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a, yeah. a ghostwriter. See? <laughs> See how I just appreciate and give you credit for for your good recommendations, Aaron. I don't try to push put he, you down. Ian's the
2: Margie of our podcast. Yeah. Yes. I'm the Gary. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> if you swim around here, you're gonna get bit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and we just gave you 15 wood chippers. Oh, crap. Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> it's, it's not good. <laughs> no, t- Telling what he's going to do with
0: this.
1: (laughs) I think, uh, and this is like the ultimate. I mean, we already talked about no country. I think no country is in dialogue with Fargo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's off the table. Um, It probably should be off the table for to recommend Fargo, but the TV show. Uh Um, But especially season one, it really, it was, I was super skeptical. I was just like, how in the world are you going to take this classic movie and develop it into a, like, and it is like tone perfect, Hmm. like, especially season one. um, And and the villain who's Billy Bob Thornton plays him. It's just Mm -hmm. that force of evil. It, It just, uh, yeah, highly recommend uh, at least the the first season of, of uh, the TV show. Um, as far as some movies, I uh, if you want if you love Margie, and then want to see the absolute polar opposite of Margie, <laughs> as played in, in Francis McDormand, uh, three billboards outside of Eddings, uh-huh. Missouri. It is the exact polar opposite of of the Margie character, but also portrayed by Francis McDormand, and I. I know she was nominated she might have won for it i don't remember but polarizing movie some people hate it she some people nominated. love it was she mm-hmm. yeah um fantastic actress but it's interesting to see maybe the the flip side of it um and then i just it's not at all related tonally but i in, in loving and enjoying <laughs> the like <Lego> a movie <laughs> go watch it <laughs> uh I just enjoy uh the the uh Gare and uh, Carl dynamic. Oh, and they're yeah. they're both in um why am I just blanking all of a sudden? Um I was gonna say in no they're both oh, well they may be, but the the one I'm thinking of is um Is it a con, Brothers? No, it's the Michael Bay that she... Why am I blanking on it? Was like, Michael Bay? The asteroid movie where they drill. Oh, yeah. He's uh, the Russian Armageddon? cosmonaut. Armageddon. Yes, he They're is. They're both in Armageddon, yes, and they is. have that same, like... Yeah. Uh, you know, he's the Russian cosmonaut who's stranded in the International Space Station with a really thick, yes. cheesy Russian accent. They open and the uh, hatch, and he's, and like, open he's hatch. gone like kind of crazy. And yeah. rock rockhound with yeah. the guy, uh, and I just I, I love the hmm. uh, the 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 two guys, and so I just yeah. for sentimental reasons. Uh, I mean, come on, Armageddon's fun.
2: Yeah, plus <laughs> the eternal debate would it have been easier to train astronauts to <laughs> drill <laughs> instead of drillers to become astronauts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We can go another hour. I'll break yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I guess we can stop subjecting people. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll cap the evil. We'll let the law of, of podcast length reign and, and constrain the evil in our hearts. And we will wait until next time when we, we, we dive into some pie. How's that for a, a tasty sign-off? <laughs> All right, Till next time. Bye, guys. You're flipping through Your the channels.
2: Looking for a movie? Yeah, you're doing it right. Called up Tim. I called up Ian. I wanted to know which movie are we seeing? Cause some make you laugh and some make you cry. I wanna know are
1: your thoughts like mine? For the love of the frame. For the love love of the frame. For the
2: love of the frame.
1: Frame for the love of the frame. The love of the frame.